0: Welcome on into the show. My name is Denny Gallagher, and I'm joined by the Snare Campaign Provocateur. And Benny, if you wanted to uh, give me your NCAA tournament predictions, you could have just texted me. You didn't have to take over Gaslight Socials and just put your swab there. Okay. So, like, come on.
1: Listen, I like big, empty squares of color. <laughs> this is all just a social experiment, Danny. Yeah. It's just to see how... Far you can get people to evaluate a single shade of color
0: over the course of a week. I love it. Next week's gonna be blue, though. You got like like some of these colors have been reserved for social movements. I know light I know. blue is Sudan. Uh, you got the Black Lives Matter. Black one, so Black it's yeah, I know it's <laughs> tricky these days. Red Lives. Yellow and, matter. Yellow and blue is currently out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I
1: know. Tough deal. You know what I like though. What I do like. You like? Two guys from New Jersey scoring 60 points last week. Are We, uh, we have Kyrie uh, and Carl Anthony Towns, the prides of New Jersey high school basketball, both scoring 60 in a game. That was a big, big week for New Jersey.
0: I thought that, that you are about to give props to St. Peter's, Jersey City's own mm. St. Peter's, for knocking yeah, off Kentucky. JC, look at that. that?
1: Took down the big boys in Kentucky. That was some... Felt like some old school Adolph Rupp CCNY (laughs) kind of takedown, you know. Um, yeah, that was that was cool, man. Uh, You know, I you know, me like I'm an NBA fan, so a lot of my interest in college basketball is either Rutgers, Mm, Georgetown, or teams involving NBA prospects. And one great thing about this tournament is that you know, almost everyone from the projected top 10. For the most part, is uh, actively playing in this tournament. So there's a lot of a lot of interesting games to watch. Yeah, exactly. To my boy Chet Holmgren, the first mm. game 1917 and 5 was seven blocks. Yeah, He's an interesting guy.
0: Now, I don't know if this makes me a bad fan. So, as I've been telling you, um, we were we've been driving back to New Jersey, That's stopped right. it at South by Southwest. And at one point in the journey, I had the option to do I go to see Uh, Marquette, North Carolina, in Fort Worth, or do I go to South by Southwest? I chose Mm. South by Southwest. Am I a bad fan? (laughs) Because you chose South by over what? Marquette, North Carolina, where they got shellacked by 30 in the biggest win that North Carolina's ever had in the NCAA tournament. No,
1: no, 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 no. So there's a real delineation to make here. Now, going to... An event like South by Southwest—that's like a potentially like life-altering situation in a number of ways. Mm. A band you could see, an experience you could have, a person you could meet. Being in Austin, you know, like like you walk into that situation, there are hundreds of open doors for you. You don't know where that weekend can go. Marquette, North Carolina—you know where that. Two ways it's going to (laughs) go: you're going to win, you're going to lose, you're going to go to a basketball game. But you're not garnering that social experience yeah. that, that you would be. So I think you made, as big of a sports fan as I am, I think you made a wise
0: life decision. Gotta say, had no idea what to expect from Southwest. So, so, south by Southwest. We were right on, uh, by 6th and 7th Street there. R- right nice. by a place that you know. We we actually went to a Stubbs yesterday. Ah, you hit Stubbs. Yeah, good stuff.
1: Good classic, stuff. classic. That's
0: awesome. Did, uh... What were the uh, highlight highlight bands? Uh let's see we saw Ezra Furman. Uh mm-hmm. let's see who else we saw uh uh Claude. Um who else did we see? Um, um oh uh, uh we we were promised jetpack so a bunch oh, of cool. um kind of more established people. Uh, there was there was a girl playing from Asbury actually at one of the bars last night but we just couldn't make it over cool. there. Now I I was trying to go to a the premiere tonight of uh, Dakota Johnson and Cooper Rafe, Uh Cooper Rafe director of uh, Shithouse, great movie. You can stream it on Showtime, I think. Uh, his sophomore movie is coming out on Apple um, okay. called Cha Cha Real Smooth. And the premiere's tonight, but that didn't end up happening because we had to get moving. Well, it's a good South by
1: experience, and yeah. it sounds fun. It can be, I've always wanted, you know, that's one of those weekends I'd love to take on as a pedestrian once yeah you know that's one of the downsides to being a musician yes i get to go to all these places they're super cool but i've never been just like that really happy drunk dude on the street (laughs) in austin you know because especially when you're when you don't do it very much i mean i remember the first time gaslight did it i think we had three shows in one day which might sound fun but for a drummer no. This is kind of a fucking nightmare, you know. <laughs>
0: like, yeah, so like, kind of take me through that because I, I think that that's like like a interesting thing. So, so you go there to showcase, hopefully for to get signed by a label, right? And you end up playing like like ten shows in like seventy two hours. So, like, kind of take me through yeah, that. Yeah, I mean,
1: it's less. I, I'd say these days it's less about labels. You're kind of showcasing to like the industry when mm. you're there. You know, like management, booking. uh promoters from other cities and things like that. Like there's just a lot of other people who are in bands who would take you on tour, you know? Um, but what's strange is you wind up on these like mishmash shows because the people sponsoring them, you know, be like, Oh, you're playing like an Adidas (laughs) tent or like something. And, and you show up and you're like, Oh, I didn't know I was going to open for like, you know, the devil wears Prada today or like something like that, which (laughs) happened. Um, it wasn't the Devil Wears Prada. It was another one of those bands from that time that had like five words in their name. <laughs> <laughs> there was a bunch of them. <laughs> um, and, I, and I actually took them out of my memory because I needed to borrow a kick drum pedal oh, no. from the band who was playing after us, who was one of those like big, screamy, emo-y bands. And he wouldn't give me one, mm. which to me is like mm. drummer protocol 101. Yeah. Never, never leave a drummer behind you know especially Uh something simple like a kick pedal come on probably had like three spares i'm still (laughs) mad about that
0: well you know what segment never leaves us behind
1: i think it's this day in music history
0: am i right you got it so on this day in
1: 1996 the sex pistols Mm. announced that they are reuniting for a 20th anniversary tour which they called the Filthy lucre tour. I don't even know if I'm (laughs) saying that right. Johnny Ryan, lead singer, who once vowed very strongly to never reunite the group, said, we have found a common cause to bring us back together again, and it's your money. (laughs) The Sex Pistols toured again in 2002 and 2007. And uh, so the reason I wanted to talk about this, I've had a bizarre relationship with the Sex Pistols over the years. Yeah. Where the more and more and more I've learned about that band, their creation, how they were, you know, came to pass, the people who were sort of the tastemakers and style makers of their fashion, you know, the fact that they only had really one significant record and it's it's just okay. Um, I've always, like, been a little, like, on the fuck the Sex Pistols camp because of this. Like, I didn't... It, it always seemed like Ballyhoo. Hmm. And, and when I was given the choice, when you're a young punk rock kid, you're essentially given Sex Pistols, The Clash, and The Ramones to choose from yeah. at first. Maybe it's different now, you know? But I always found the other ones, you know, uh, The Clash's political message, I found authentic. The Ramones thing, I found authentic. The Sex Pistols, I always found totally inauthentic. And I'm torn in this one because it's like Johnny Rotten's total inauthenticity is the reason he actually <laughs> gave the appropriate answer for why he's doing the tour. Sounds like an asshole yeah. because most people are like, ah, oh, yeah, we'd love to get together and play our songs and do a couple shows when it's really about taking your money, <laughs> you know? And at least he was honest about it. But I think this is an indication, uh, when I read this story, of like why the Sex Pistols, to me, in the hierarchy, the top 10s, the top five lists of all-time greats, have slowly been heading down the list, the older and older they get.
0: Full disclosure here, because I, I think that this will make the uh, the audience laugh a tiny bit. The entire time you're talking about that, I have a fun this day involving you 2 and Virgin Records. Um, but wow. I uh, there is one album I cannot pronounce, I can never pronounce it, and I can okay. never pronounce Ah Chung Baby, and I don't oh. even think I got it right there. So, you uh, didn't get it right there the, the, the entire time I'm looking up the phonetic spelling because I, I, I always pronounce it like I said it, which I know isn't right, but for the yeah. sake of history, it's like there's ah no
1: Chung. ch in German, there's no Ch.
0: it's like I. Uh, octongue octongue fuck
1: yeah it's like it's like basically put a k instead of the ch and you nailed
0: it it's like fuck you bono like please okay <laughs> um <laughs> it's a i mean remember he's from europe it's a know? great record i just have never for my entire life been able to pronounce it so that's what i yeah, would listen i spent the first
1: 10 years listening to sam i am calling him <laughs> samium so
0: you know we have
1: these you want to hear a funny one with that that yeah. you'll appreciate yeah I read three Harry Potter books prior to seeing any story or movie. And I called Hermione Hermon.
0: Oh, same. Same. In my head for,
1: for like literally five years. It was Hermon. Cause I had no idea.
0: I you know I, I think there's something in, inherently Jersey about that. Cause like you see words uh, and they're pronounced something different here, and then like yeah. you, you you like read it and it's crazy. I was like, this is like a Cavatelli thing, right? <laughs> like it's Hermon. Yeah. Donnelly to Um, yeah. All right. On this day in 1991, you two were fined $850 after being fined for selling condoms illegally at the Virgin <laughs> Mega Store. So Richard Branson and Virgin had this whole thing like sex, drugs, and rock and roll. They were going to sell condoms at the Virgin Mega Stores. Uh, Ireland, you could not do that at the time because you know it had had the whole uh, religious thing going on. But uh, for an, an event at the Virgin Mega Store. For the release of Octung Baby by U2, they put the album cover on the condoms, which I don't know how I'd feel feel about that at all. So um, U2, fine. Actually, no. So the store was fine, and then U2, U2 covered the cost. So yeah, this day in 1991, a bit of That's interesting funny. music history. There's a
1: lot of uh, open avenues for jokes. <laughs> With the word "you too" written on your penis. Yeah, exactly. you know, there's a lot. There's a lot that could happen there. I kind of like that. Isn't that funny with Bono? He like, that guy takes more shit than almost anyone. Yeah, and like most of the time he's like, "Oh hey, like, I'm just like trying to cure AIDS. Is that yeah. cool?" Everyone's like, "No,
0: be more like Machine
1: Gun Kelly."
0: I mean, this was before he, like, hacked everybody's phones and put his record on I there. I still have that record. <laughs> yeah, on. me I too. Have an, <laughs> I have an iPhone
1: 5, so this shit's still on there.
0: <laughs> oh, man. Every once in a
1: while, I'll hear this random, like, soundscape in my party shuffle. I'm like, what is this? I'm like, oh, there's you two again. But I wasn't, like, offended like everyone else. I'm like, yeah. thanks for the free
0: album. I don't give a shit. Yeah. Like It's like, you know? And now every album is free, so. <laughs> right, at this point. First headline today, Benny, there's a Ben, speaking of free and paying compensation, there has been a bit of headliner opener animosity situation, I don't know. Uh, singer Amy Mann revealed on Wednesday that she's been dropped from opening for Steely Dan, and apparently they didn't talk talk to her about it, just kind of showed up one day, and she was like, oh, um, she put out in a statement on Instagram, uh, no one's entirely sure why, but it seems that their audience wouldn't like a female singer-songwriter, question mark, Anyway, Benny, I wanted to use this as the opportunity to talk about uh how much control does a headliner have over who opens for them and what's the whole kind of dynamic like?
1: Uh they have absolute control. Mm. You know, especially a band like Steely Dan. It's not like Steely Dan's going out there, you know, more often than not, a lot of, you know, the reason openers are chosen is because they can sell tickets in certain places. You know, that's like a lot of the reasons for openers. So, you know, if uh, a West coast band is doing an East coast show, you get a New York band to do your New York shows to add tickets. And it's kind of this thing. But once you get onto the level of Steely Dan, they have no problem selling tickets. So it's absolutely just like totally personal choice uh, from the artists themselves. So, the idea that uh, the, what Fagan, Donald Fagan is mm, the guy from yeah. Steely Dan. Um, you know, the idea that he chose Amy Mann and then something happened and took her off the tour is well possible. Mm. I mean, he's, he's well within his rights and power in the normal dynamic to do that. I don't understand why, you know, like why you would ask someone like Amy Mann, who's kind of a, a niche performer. Very cool. Yeah to do your shows and then, and then back off. The, the only thing I don't know about is when she wrote those little, I thought it was kind of cool how she <laughs> presents her yeah. thoughts in kind of comic strips, which is really artistic and cool. Um, you know, when it said like that, they don't want female uh, performers playing with them or they thought their fans wouldn't like them. It was with a question mark. So I'm not sure if that's like her assumption or if she was actually told that, which Is quite a different story, you know? Like, I don't know what the actual story of why she got kicked off is. Um, I do think she's probably right, (laughs) sadly. I mean, I know people who like Steely Dan and like Steely (laughs) Dan fans. A lot of them are proper, like, probably 70s rocker bros, you know, who are really into the, oh, look, they're playing that song in 1214 and, like, kind of this (laughs) weird so I do think like some of their fans would probably like scoff at Amy man, but that's no reason to not have a great yeah. artist on your show either, especially when you don't know, give a shit about selling tickets. You're steely Dan. Yeah. So, uh, I think it's kind of cheap and weird. And I think Amy Mann is really cool. Yeah. You know, like I, I, the one thing I like about this story is that I think a whole new generation of people are Googling Amy <laughs> man and why she's important. Um, and she did have kind of a strange career where, like, actually most of the stuff I know her from is, like, movies. She has a great song in Jerry Maguire, mm. a great song in Magnolia, both. And then she had these hilarious bits on Portlandia <laughs> where they hired her to be her maid. Um, <laughs> so I think Amy Band is, like, a cool cultural icon, and, and I think she should be on these shows. But, I, I, like, it is well within Steely Dan's power to just remove her if they'd like to. Yeah. That's yeah, how it works.
0: That seems pretty confusing because it's more like if you don't want her on the show, don't invite her in the first place. I I think that's where the real issue is here because it's like he clearly likes her music. Otherwise, he wouldn't have invited her on. So, well, know. you
1: know what I wonder, actually, now that it's, it's occurring to me, what might have happened is, you know, a lot of artists aren't so uniquely involved in their business, mm. especially older artists, you know, so there's a chance that someone's like, Hey, Donald Fagan, do you want to do like these dates in these cities for this amount of money? And he's like, sure. (laughs) And then like checked out for a couple months and then saw the promo for like the shows and was like, wait, Amy, man, you know, because like he had nothing to do with the decision and then, you know, came in and swooped in and made, made a last minute decision. That, that might be the realistic thing of what happened here actually.
0: All right, next headline today, Benny, we have a concert brewing in the making. Comedy Central will celebrate 25 years of South Park. With a concert at Red Rocks Park in Colorado. The anniversary concert revealed on Wednesday will take place on August 10th and will feature Trey Parker, Matt Stone, uh, Primus, and Ween. The fall event will feature fan-favorite numbers with a with, from the long-running Irreverent Comedy. So, Benny, a lot to pick up here. Love that they're doing it where South Park is set. Uh, what would you expect from a South Park concert? Is it going to be like one of these Hollywood Bowl events where there's like a symphony? and or, or what are you expecting from a South Park concert? Uh,
1: no, I think it's going to be pretty rock and roll because of, you know, but I do think it's going to be like event style, like, like, it's not going to be, hey, what's up, we're Trey Parker and Matt Stone, and they just like ripped through an hour of tunes. Yeah, it sounds to me like they're working with Primus and members of Ween to kind of put a band together to be able to execute all the songs from the show and from the movies, Mm. which sounds fucking awesome, actually. So if like, I'm going to Red Rocks (laughs) and I'm seeing like Les Claypool (laughs) and like the drummer from Primus who rules and someone from Ween and Trey Parker and Matt Stone doing like America Fuck Yeah
0: live (laughs) at
1: Red Rocks.
0: eh, I'm into it.
1: I don't know. I think I'm here for that. (laughs) Like, that's fun. So I'm all about this. And I think they they chose bands who historically have a great sense of humor. Yeah. You know, like Primus has a record called sailing the seas of cheese, (laughs) you know, with their hit song on it being Jerry was a race car driver. This is a serious band. Like Mm. Primus isn't to be fucked with, but they have a sense of humor and so does ween. So I think it's like a really cool collaboration of people and spirits. Red Rocks is a beautiful, beautiful place
0: so, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm here for it, man. Yeah, man. I am here for, for this, too. A venue like Red Rocks have never been. Have you guys been, been there? Or no, no? I've, I've never been. It's always been kind of a... It's still a bucket list yeah. spot for me. Yeah. And where are your bucket list places left to play that you haven't done yet? There's a few.
1: Yeah. Uh, I really want to play the Greek theater. Mm. I think that would be awesome. Most of the New York ones have been covered, like the local stuff, you know, like which is pretty cool. I got to do PNC and The Pony and all the big ones around here, Philly and stuff. Um, Those are the two that stand out in my head. I'm sure there's quite a few more still, but Red Rocks and Greek Theater are two big ones for me.
0: Yeah, love that. Love uh, the Greek theater. The uh, uh, my my parking lot for my daily hikes. Anyway, That's right. miss That's that. Right. Gonna miss that so bad. But it's,
1: uh, a, it's beautiful woods. It really is. You know. And I also wonder. It's like between South Park, The Simpsons, Family Guy, right? Three of the longest running shows in history. Is is that not the case? Yeah. I mean, we really have the formula here. Like animation is the only way to do these shows. Unless they're always sunny. Like, what does Bart Simpson look like right now if he was actually born in 1984, you know, or something like that? Like, he's a fat, gross old man, or he's like a celeb. Like, who knows? But he's not Bart Simpson. Like, the only way to keep these people true is to keep them not real.
0: Maybe that's the secret for this podcast. Instead of putting out videos every week, we just got to animate (laughs) it. I'd love it. NFT me, bro. Uh, NFT me. All right, next headline today, Benny, let's get political, but not in like Please. a not in like a uh, we're going to run for office kind of way. Senate oh. approved legislation on Tuesday that would make daylight savings time permanent in the US starting next year. The the bill called the Sunshine Protection Act was passed by unanimous consent, meaning no senators opposed it. If enacted, Americans would no longer need to claim, change their clocks twice uh. a year. Benny, uh. What a breath of fresh air this story is.
1: Sweet relief. You know, it's just like, you know, the current landscape we live in, right, gives me a lot of pause for hope. You know, I see the way people talk to each other. It seems like people are seemingly going farther to their corners and not meeting in the middle anymore. You know, And then you find something that everybody hates it's kind of this like beautiful political landscape that happened where like you know fucking uh, let's say matt gates republican (laughs) who hates jews and gay people also hates daylight savings right like bernie sanders who hates matt gates also hates daylight savings like everyone the first time you wake up from daylight savings goes, Oh my God, this is the dumbest fucking shit. What just happened? (laughs) My body is fucked for like a week. And now with kids, Mm. I see it even more. Like you have to do these, like the night before daylight savings, you're having discussions. All right. Like, like, should we push bedtime half an hour? I know they're extra tired, but like, but we got to make sure we do this. They're going to wake up all weird. And like, it really fucks things up. So I couldn't be more for this. And, uh, And as you said, it's it's a breath of fresh air just watching people go like, oh, yeah, 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 that sucks. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that sucks. So let's do something about it. That's that's the American democracy I love right there, you know.
0: The entire day, you know, because it's always Saturday into Sunday, which for me has been killer because I do the radio show at 10 a.m. Eastern on Sundays, so it's always like this is my least favorite show of 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 the year. But all day Sunday, I'm just like this day is flying by, and it sucked because it was like our last day in L.A., like like our last like full day. I'm like, why is this day going so fast? So thank you. You know, and
1: I'm I'm a (laughs) shitty sleeper, so like it's like once a year I wake up and I go.
0: Ah, <laughs> fuck yeah. I got an extra hour. <laughs> oh, no, I didn't. I did. All right, Benny, let's keep it moving here. In a Brett Farvian move, Tom Brady is back. He tweeted on March 13th that these two past months, I've realized my place is still on the field and not in the stands. That's probably because you didn't get the Peyton or Troy Aikman money. Uh, that The time will come, but it's not now. I love my teammates, and I love my supportive family. They make it all possible. I'm coming back for my 23rd season in Tampa, Unfinished Business, LFG. I feel like you said that you were expecting this when the initial announcement came down, but is there anything surprising here, Benny? No, no, no. This is exactly how I thought it
1: would play out, actually. Um, I thought it was going to be the Niners, though, not the Bucks. Mm. That's where I was wrong. But I did think Tom Brady was not retired. Um, You know, I got to be honest though, this time, usually I would, would side with the idea that Tom Brady is just filled with ego and gumption and, you know, can't allow himself to not be in the, the spotlight and stuff like that. Like he craves it so much, which is sure, like partially true, but there's an aspect of this that I see in a lot of musicians too. and, something I do have, uh, like sensitivity towards, which is the fact that like, try to consider a life of someone who has been singularly focused on one thing since childhood, you know what I mean? Literally nothing else. Like, like, and you're not talking, oh, like 18, when you got to college, like childhood, childhood, like where from a really young age, your ultimate goal is to make it to the NFL. I'll do anything to get there. Then you get to the NFL. My ultimate goal is to win a championship. I'll do anything to get there. You get a bunch of those. And then, you know, you find yourself in this position. I don't think Tom Brady knows what to do, man. (laughs) I really don't. And I think he wound up in a situation that's very normal this time, which is like somebody who has been completely committed to something new that this couple months at home was coming to a close every year. Like it's different when it's open-ended. Like, like there's a way the time feels when you have two months and you know two months are ending when you have two months and it's like open-ended road. That feels a lot different. So I think Tom Brady for the first time in a long time went like, what the fuck am I gonna do? And he's not that good in the box. He's not going to be like, he's not that funny. He's not Peyton Manning. He's like, I don't see him as a going to Troy Aikman road, going to Peyton Manning road. That's not really Tom Brady style. He's not like that. So this time I really thought, like, you took a step back. You're like, shit, like, I can still play. I led the league in yards last year. Like, I look at the NFC and I see Aaron Rodgers, Matthew Stafford, and... That's it. That it, you know? And then you make a couple calls. You call Leonard Fournette. You know, you call uh, Gronk. And you say, hey, if I was going to come back, would you come back? And all of a sudden Leonard Fournette, like, deleted his last tweet. Now he's going to come back. Like, he got the band back together. So, you know, I'm going to give Tom Brady the benefit of the doubt in this one. And I think he dealt with a very human guy in his early 40s thing Mm. which is like i'm not ready for whatever the next fucking chapter is to start because that's my demise like like whenever i stop is the way down it's like the beginning of my midlife crisis when this is over and something else you know some people just can't fucking swallow that man and and it's a hard thing to swallow so i actually i give them a little benefit of the doubt this time
0: yeah yeah it's like <laughs> you don't I see. the okay. So it's like listen, I get it. I very much get the idea to be like, hey, if, once you get the seat at the table in the thing, you keep it for as long as you can. Especially if you have a chance to make a run at uh, another Super Bowl. You made the very interesting point about how this isn't a oh him just keeping playing. This is a mortality question. This is like his like entire life here. And the thing I, I have to say to that, I mean, I think he kind of looks around at, at his peers. He looks at his, like, Derek Jeters, who, like, mm-hmm. kind of, they were playing and active at, like, the same time. He's like, this dude's already been the CEO of the Marlins and has left by now. So it's right. like, what's left for me out, out here? And mm-hmm. this really comes down to, if if it is like you said, Tom's just got to be happy with himself. He's got everything right. he could ever want, and it seems like it's only football that kind of scratches that that itch. It's kind of sad. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's,
1: that's kind of where I'm coming from is like, you know, there's a common thing with this always. And, and raising kids, I think about it a lot because you hear about these, the real like superstar, crazy types, your Kobe Bryant's, your Tom Brady's like often they can't grow past that part of themselves. You know what I mean? Mm. Like, like it's how they form their identity. It's what they know themselves as. And, and that's a big thing for people. I mean, it's the same reason you see guys buy little red sports cars, enjoying fucking country clubs and start hunting or, you know, start mountain climbing. It's all like, what am I now? Like I used to be this, like, guy and and now i have a family like what am i and, and people find this these paths so I, I think you know if you want to call it that this is just like part of tom brady's midlife crisis we all have it
0: see now this is the show that i want to see the documentary about what tom brady finds out what he wants to do next and it's actually like like a self-discovery show and that's what i mean <laughs> right right exactly <laughs> all right benny let's turn our attention to the hardwood now shall we And we're going to start in in a bit different place than we normally do. And it's funny. Did not mean for this to happen. I'm in Dallas right now uh, working Uh, our way back. And we're going to start with the maths. The Mavs started off their their road trip with three straight wins this week, including impressive ones over the Red Hot Celtics, your Brooklyn Nets. Uh, your boy Spencer did win. He unfortunately hit you. Uh, but Spencer didn't win. He just coming in clutch after people questioned him all along. Uh, since mm-hmm. Christmas, the Mavs have been one of the hottest teams in the NBA. Uh, Benny, J. Kidd, Reclamation Project. And that defense, oh, my gosh, has, has become a staple of what Jason Kidd as a head coach looks like in the early stages. And he's brought this to Dallas. So what do you make of the Mavs and Jason Kidd being back as a head coach?
1: Well, I mean, I think there's like a simple recipe here that you got to think about. And it's now the combination of the best defense in the Western Conference. Actually, I'm sorry, the best defense in the league Mm. by a fair margin mixed with Luka Doncic. Yeah who is like maybe, you know, one of the top five most exciting players in the league and someone who can literally carry an offense on their back, like anytime they need to. So this simple recipe put together, like how often do you have an absolute bona fide offensive superstar mixed with the, the best defensive team in the league mm. and by a wide margin, like this team can really defend. Um, I mean, that right there is is a is a real recipe for something. And at this point, you know, they're, they're in the five seed going against the jazz in the first round. Fuck it. I like them there. (laughs) You know, I think, I think that's a a win for them. And I think this is a Jason Kidd reclamation project. Um, I think the one thing you, you never know with coaches if they're going to learn, right? Like, like you're watching Tom Thibodeau play out again, in sort of like a guy who refuses to learn, you know what I mean? Like you see these coaches sometimes that are so steadfast in their own style that they, that they refuse to learn. And Jason Kidd, I think always had the coaching acumen. He always had the, the on-court skill and the, the know-how to make a basketball team run. Jason Kidd's kind of a dick hmm. and he didn't know how to talk to people and he made people feel like shit. And I think, I mean, I'm not there every day. I don't work for the fucking Mavs, so obviously it's all conjecture, but it seems to me like he has this team behind him and fully behind him and that would allude to me that Jason Kidd has made some changes in the way he manages people. Um, It seems like a happy, functional, cohesive team and that's good. Uh, Especially, you're getting a guy like Luka Doncic to buy in on defense. Like He's playing some defense this year. He's not, you know, he's not Matisse Thibel out there, but he's He's in the right spots. He's a big body. There's no, like, uh, point guard or shooting guard that can get over him in the league. So I think Dallas is in great shape right now. Uh, and then to my boy Dinwiddie, <laughs> I, I, you know, that was a rough night for me, by the way. <laughs> okay. Because I saw Spencer Dinwiddie's Nets killing shot. And then about an hour later, watched Notre Dame beat mm. Rutgers in double overtime, which hurt like a bitch. Hurt like a bitch. <laughs> Um, but the Dinwiddie one, I got to be honest, I was happy. I was happy for him. Like, like we forget that Dinwiddie was like a scrap heap signing by the Nets a few years ago. You know, we took him out of nowhere, minimum deal, uh, gave him a three-year, $21 million deal to keep him around. Um, he was th- this great backup point guard. He had some great moments in Brooklyn. And then he was put in the position to be a full-time point guard, which I don't think he's ever been. And never will be like, that's not his game.
0: Mm. Uh,
1: and then he, you know, so he was kind of fluttering in Washington as a result. And he goes to Dallas and now he's in the role he needs to be in. He's got Brunson. He's got Doncic. He's playing off ball. He can be a scorer. He can drive and cut. So I think he's in a great situation now. And if there's anyone, uh, I would have been happy to see the Nets uh, win on that shot. It was, it was Dinwiddie. Dinwiddie, Jared Allen, and Karis LeVert are all out to beat the Nets right
0: now. That was going to be my other joke about the red square. I was going to be like, Jesus, okay, we're talking about LeBron here. Like, like, come on, you're <laughs> throwing out Cavalier. Come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, But, yeah, no, Jason Kidd, Um, it's unbelievable. I still think the same questions about him persist because – Um, he is a a guy who's very good with this stages of teams where you have a, a superstar and you're getting them better and better. It's whether he learned on Frank Vogel's staff uh, how to take that like next step with a, a team that takes a long time to learn. I mean, we saw Bud in at Atlanta struggle before he was ready to have a team like that in Milwaukee. So we've seen right. this happen with coaches time and time again. I think it just takes time to develop your coaching skills that much. I hope this is the stop for Jason Kidd where it, it can all come together. It seems like it right now, but who knows?
1: Yeah, yeah, I don't see him going anywhere for a while. This seems pretty set.
0: Alright, final hoops headline today, and it seems from afar that the Philadelphia 76ers uh, situation with James Harden and Joel Embiid has been, it's worked pretty good th- thus far, you know, Harden's getting his buckets, and Embiid's getting his buckets, but we're starting to see uh, Har- Harden talking about his hamstring, he's putting out social media videos of him running stairs after games. The chemistry is decent, not where you want for a a title contender. So uh, I know you have a lot of feelings about the beard and stuff like that. Harden is getting his numbers. um, But are these just empty stats? And do we have any kind of indication that this is going to work in the playoffs?
1: No, we don't. And it's because of James Harden, not Hmm. anybody else. Like I don't know if anybody in the NBA right now has a more like laundry list of uh, playoff failures and kind of like and they're like really well documented because yeah. people look into harden so much you know <laughs> yeah. like they're like oh in 2012 he shot two for twelve and in fourteen he shot he shot two for fourteen and it was the reason they lost and he only plays good in big game. So it seems as if you know mathematically the track record is there for Harden to not show up in these games. And then you know I think Sixers fans You know, they had those first three games, which were T-Wolves and the Knicks. And, you know, they look like this. And you're like, whoa, James Harden, you know? Mm. And then the first time, you know, Brooklyn comes in and gives him a punch in the stomach, he looks like James Harden again. And, like, and people are rightfully concerned. And I would be shocked if Joel Embiid wasn't rightfully concerned as well. Like, you know, even the other day, like, I'm watching this game. Sixers are playing the nuggets. It's a hot, pretty hotly contested game. It's getting, it's getting chippy and DeMarcus cousins, as he does, like he gets into Harden a little bit and gets in his face. And it's kind of a, a fun thing almost. And DeMarcus is smiling and there's double technicals and Harden is just this like dead faced having no fun. Like, like I'm, I can't tell if he's scared, if he's angry, if he's happy, because he just shows nothing. And honestly, I got sick of that as a Nets fan. It was like, I almost didn't care if the Nets were worse this year. I was happy to get rid of James Harden. Yeah. And because of the vibe, yeah. you know? And that that's part of the thing that, like, I can't say because I'm not in a locker room, but I watch a lot of basketball. I go to a lot of games. And you just feel something sometimes around the players that that other players are grouping around, you know. And even bizarrely, you watch it happen with Kyrie Irving all the time. The fuck, his teammates love him. Yeah, they do. You know, like regardless of all this shit, it's obvious and they love him. So, like, I think that's a big part of this Harden thing right now is that, you know, people they they like to think, you know, messing with chemistry doesn't do anything. And you take, you know, a guy like Seth Curry out of the locker room and put a James Harden into the locker room. And then all of a sudden it's just, it's kind of a different story. So I, uh, I think Sixers fans are concerned and they probably rightfully should be concerned about playoff rounds.
0: The Sixers have an interesting stretch coming up with uh, taking on the Mavs on Friday and and they have a stretch where they go, Mavs, Raptors, Heat, Lakers, Clippers, mm. Suns. So mm. whatever we, we need to know about the Sixers before the playoffs, we're going to learn in, in this next six games here. So, uh, But the James Harden thing, um, he's still playing. He's still getting his buckets, but nothing that's super inspired confidence in me.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's where, you know, even those first few games, like Tyrese Maxey's going nuts. Yeah. And he looks great. I mean, Tyrese Maxey's a fucking player, like yeah. no doubt. He's young. Like this is his second season. He's really young, young guy. Like, is that really your third option in mm. the playoffs? The guy that young mm. usually doesn't work out to buy his Like they have all these problems on defense. Yeah. I think let's, let's reassess after the next six games. Um, But, but the East is looking tough yeah. and, you know, but right now I'm a fucking hardened hater, you know, yeah. right, like, I exactly. Have to, it's somehow this is the power of sports Debbie. <laughs> you somehow i li- i like kyrie irving more than james harden now i, I it's it's perplexing
0: you want to close out with this kyrie harden or excuse me kyrie kyrie irving stuff here because man seeing this guy has been i mean we're fascinating. already on it we're already on it let's, he, let's listen go. here's why his teammates love him Right, it's because he number one, he's 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 a baller. Everybody in in the league is like marvels at, at, at his handles and and stuff like that. But I think it's his fu to the media that makes it. He, he may be the the president of the players union after this, after how how he's handled all of this. So he 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 has these massive sixty point games, but. Do you think, and, and this was a question I, I actually wanted to pose to you, do you think yeah. that his regular season of being kind of like a starting pitcher, playing every five days or so, is actually going to help the Nets when it comes to the playoffs?
1: I No, mm-hmm. no, really? no. I mean, and this is the big, we just saw it the other night, you know, um, when the Nets hosted the Mavericks mm. in Brooklyn. Like, the game plan against the Nets when Kyrie isn't on the floor is make life miserable for Kevin Durant. Mm-hmm. Like, that game, he was getting blitzed every time he touched the ball, and he was getting physically, you know, not beat up, but he's he's getting worked. He, yeah. They were working him extra, extra hard in that game. And I think Kevin Durant can handle it. I mean, he almost – I think he had 10 assists that game, and he was moving the ball around, and obviously they were still in the game. He knows what to do when he's in a double team. But I'm concerned about the beating he took in that game it was like 40 minutes of Kevin Durant literally just getting the shit kicked out of him. And it was because Kyrie wasn't there. It really was. Like when they don't have uh, LaMarcus Aldridge, when they don't have Seth Curry, you literally have no one else on the floor who's, who's getting their own shot at all or any shot. Mm. Uh, When you have Kyrie Irving, it's it's a very different story. So I think that's become like a recency bias. Part of this argument is like, Kyrie still didn't get vaccinated. He's still not allowed to play. They might wind up in a, in a game against Toronto to try to get in. He can't play in that. Um, and there's still this aspect. I know we've we're in kind of the COVID's over period (laughs) where some people think Kyrie was right now or something. (laughs) I don't. Uh, and I still wish he got it and I still wish that he could fucking play. Um, So it's a problem and it's and it's consistent. And I still think uh, the Nets are, as I said, a few weeks ago. I mean, as much as this run is tasty now, you know, you don't want to fucking totally tank a season. You get as far as you can go. You still have Kevin Durant. He could cause some waves in the playoffs. But uh, with with how it looks, Ben Simmons, you know, potentially not even coming back this season or very late in the season. Kyrie's issues I still think the Nets have their eyes towards next year
0: man I think that you're buying the Kool-Aid I think that the, that they're 100% in on this year hence why there's been the political campaign to get Eric Adams to turn yeah. over the mandate but see KD go after him yeah exactly yeah. I think you're doing right now what I did last year with the Bucks. Where you're 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 playing it down, you're playing it down. And then you're like, oh, I just backdoored myself into a championship. No, here's what's <laughs> gonna happen. Here's the first round. They're either gonna play Miami or M- Milwaukee. Kyrie yeah. can play um, the road in all of those. And by then, I'm sure you know. I I don't know what's gonna happen with with the mandate, but um, it's super crazy that the that the. Camp of Kyrie was right is is growing and he's gonna quote Ugh. unquote be on the right side of his own history with yeah. this no but the first it's really round, bizarre the bedfellows <laughs> he's picked up <laughs> exactly the first round I mean if 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 it's in Miami he's you're gonna have Kyrie pretty much just living in Miami for two weeks right and just like doing his like own or like a week or, or so, and then he's going to be able to be around the team, maybe not play in the games, but be around the team, practice, and, and all that stuff in Brooklyn. No, this is going to work out just fine for the Nets, and you're going to have this two-headed monster um, with with Seth Curry, Patty Mills, and uh Lamarcus all kind of contributing. The Nets, th- this is a perfect storm.
1: Yeah, I mean, some of the pieces really are fitting well together. They are. Even something as simple as Andre Drummond, like yeah. – the nets have needed that piece bad. And you didn't realize how bad until you see him out there. And when he gets off the floor, you're like, Oh, right. The nets cannot grab a defensive rebound yeah. at all. <laughs> so yeah, some of these pieces are important, but I think, I think I just am not going to be a believer until I know Kyrie Irving can play every game, you know, like that's, uh, it seems like it might be trending in that way. But if I were the mayor of New York right now, I might be like, you know what? fuck this guy for a few more months, you know, like I might, because it is, it's a little bit of a pissing contest between the two of them right now. And like, uh, you know, are you the mayor of New York? And you like back down to this thing. I I mean, it's been part of this. That's a little troubling, you know, is Kyrie Irving's. I know I've, I've brought it up many times on this show, but Kyrie Irving's 60 points the other night looked a lot like, Kobe flying back from Eagle, Colorado, you know, it's like this, like everybody hates me. I need to play my ass off kind of thing going on.
0: And it's, it's working because we're all fools. All right, plenty of ways to get in contact with the show. You can email us at thetuneuppodcast at gmail.com. Two Ps in there. If you want to follow the show on all the social platforms, it's the TuneUp HQ on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Be sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel. If you want to follow the big man on Twitter, he is at Benny Horowitz. One, number one in your mind, number one in your heart, number one on Twitter. I'm at Benny underscore Gallagher. Benny, last chance here. Do you have any news to break on the TuneUp right now? I don't. I don't.
1: Y'all know more next week. Everybody loves everybody.
0: (laughs) (laughs) The show is on the go. Peace. You've been listening to The Tune Up.